everybody, welcome to Insufferable Bastards. My name is Carlos Danger, for purposes of this broadcast. And I'm joined by my co-host, but before I introduce him, he's going to sound a little different. We've been having some uh, audio problems using the old Zoom. So calling in by phone, because we, ge- we need to get this done. People need to hear our opinions on Twitter and other places. But here's Brian Spears, my co-host. Hello, Brian. Hello, hello. First time caller, long time listener. All right, so uh, we're recording this, I don't know, it's Saturday, August 13th at about three in the afternoon. And we thought, I thought we would talk about two very relevant movies that everybody's talking about. The internet is going crazy over, oh, I'm sorry, they were doing it about a year ago. Licorice Pizza and Spider-Man No Way Home. I thought we would talk about those two movies, two of the most important movies from 2021. Spider-Man No Way Home being the biggest moneymaker of 2021 and one of the biggest moneymakers of all time. And Licorice Pizza being a critically acclaimed latest entry Oscar from... Nominated. Oscar nominated. Multi-Oscar nominated motion picture from Paul Thomas Anderson who gave us such instant classics as Sydney, or I'm going to call it Hard Eight. Sorry, Paul. Boogie Nights and Magnolia. And Brian will say some oh. others, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree. What, what are you going to? Don't you love the, the the movie that you love? I love Magnolia. Give me my milkshake. Let there be blood. Yeah, I don't know. I've sort of cooled on that a little bit. I don't know about Paul Thomas Anderson anymore because I got to tell you, I, I'll just start right off the bat. <laughs> I hated Licorice Pizza. I, I hated it. Oh. I, fa- I found it a chore to, to sit through it. I couldn't watch it in one setting. And just to finish like the last five minutes of the movie, I had to pull myself back and like, all right, I'm going to finish this. I watched it with my wife and, and neither of us liked this movie. And really? If, if people, yeah. Yeah, See, I really. Listen, here's the insufferable bastards. There's two movies this year that we definitely disagreed on. Licorice Pizza being one of them. And X being the other. And I don't even, I think we talked off air about X. Yeah, we didn't really do that um, publicly, but yeah, I, I, I just found that going through the motions. And I'm the opposite opinion. Um, I don't think I'll, I will agree and say that uh, Licorice Pizza is far from his best movie. But I think one of the greatest triple features would be Days and Confused, Licorice Pizza, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the only difference is you could rotate Days and Confused and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Licorice Pizza would play in the middle. Um, I freaking loved the movie. I loved it. So it might have even been one of my top movies, you know, if, if I was to actually pay attention to what movies came out what year. Like, I damn think it was a damn good Oscar nominated movie. So I'm reading from. Wikipedia here. It came out, like we said last year, Wikipedia describes it as a period comedy drama. Of course, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. It stars Elena Haim, Cooper Hoffman, who uh, is the son of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, in their film debuts. Uh, And they're basically, it's it's a coming-of-age story, and it's a love story between these two characters, uh, with Elena Haim being 25, her character, and Cooper Hoffman's character, Gary Valentine, excuse me, being 15. I got <laughs> All right. I'm still choking to death, people. Sorry. I got some kind of lung, lung infection that's probably going to kill me. I probably won't make it to the morning. But all right, Brian, you liked it. Like, I don't know. I found. Well, all right. Before we get into what we thought of the all film. Right, I, 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 wait, I, let me let me play right. something. Let me let me let me uh, let me set the table here. Uh, you know why it's called Licorice, P- Licorice Pizza? If yeah, you're such a big a fan. Yeah, store. Was a record with a store. record store in the seventies, uh, actually very famous record store, I believe. Not that famous. I never heard of it. Well, and, uh, but in L.A., like staple of L.A., because I watched another movie, and they say they're going to Licorice Pizza. Was that a an adult film or something like a porn? No, no, no. It was oh. a a bad movie on the uh, on the Germs, the band the Germs. Oh, I never heard of that. Oh, okay. So I, I had no idea, but I guess it originally comes from a Abbott and Costello throwaway line from some old Abbott and Costello movie. And yeah, then it was a record store. All right, so here's Paul Thomas Anderson. He was in a discussion uh, about his film. This was posted in January 2022 uh, by Hector Serrano. Tang. Okay, I'm not hearing the audio, just so you know. <sighs> 
That's because I didn't share the screen. So nobody heard it. All right, so here is Paul Thomas Anderson. Again, I, I screwed up for a second, so I'm repeating myself. This is Paul Thomas Anderson talking about this crappy movie that I am too dumb <laughs> that only, like, sophisticates like. Here he is. Getsman, um, who I don't know if any of you know, is a producer. He worked with Jonathan Demme for many, many years, and he was in a Lucille. He's talking about the main character, the kid. The main character by, who it's based yeah, on, yeah. Who, who is one of the most, I've never wanted to punch a character, a fictional character, in the face as badly as I wanted this kid. Ball I won't argue with you. Ours. Um, when that didn't really work out, he started a waterbed business. Um, and then when that didn't work out, he started a pinball palace. And he had one scheme after another. Ended up making movies with Jonathan Demme. So to hear his stories t took me back. Took me back to you know his gang of friends. I mean, he just sort of substitute a movie camera with a waterbed or a pinball palace, and I was probably an, an extension of, of of Gary. You know, I didn't exactly have that kind of charisma. I didn't exactly have that kind of way with words that that, that he does. No one does in, the, in terms of the real Gary Getzman. I mean, he's one of a kind. But um, the stories he told was an opportunity to enter into a, a, um, a, a world that I remember very well that seemed impossible to ignore. And having many children and teenage children, the opportunity to recreate and show them the world uh, that I grew up in. I mean, the valley hasn't changed that much, so you don't have to do that much to it to kind of take it to... All right, all right, but he's a little young. He, he goes on to say he was only, when this, this movie's set in 73, he was three years old. So it's not like these are things he experienced he himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, here, my, my main problem with this movie, I'm okay with it being a hang movie. I'm okay with it not having any type of conventional plot or, or nor story. That's cool. I mean, you know, I like Pig. Pig is like that, and I could, I can, I can put my brain on neutral and just experience a movie for what it is. It doesn't always have to be The Wire. You know, it doesn't always have to be episodic television. It can be just a movie that conveys a mood or a scene or a place with, you know, the, the thin red line I'm thinking about, Terrence Malick. I watched that movie multiple times. I love that movie. This, I just, from the minute the kid appears on frame, the uh, whatever his name is, Gary, I just found him so unlikable I didn't want to hang with him. He's creepy. He is, he's a major creep. He's arrogant. And I guess, you know, I get that a lot of people, I was that way probably at that age, but he just doesn't seem like he's any type of real character. I guess he's based on a real person, but the kid is like, he's child actor. And then he's launching this business and then he's launching that business. And he has all this uh, uh, confidence to go talk to this woman 10 years, his senior and hit on her, like in a really creepy way. So I just found, and her, okay? I was pleasantly surprised by the fact it's a coming-of-age story, but the coming-of-age is really her because she's this complex character we've never really seen before, at least I've never really seen before. She's this 25-year-old woman who's extremely immature. She's totally yeah. listless. She doesn't know which way her life is going. So she's hanging out with these kids because that's who she identifies with more than uh, people her own age. So she's stored, she's obviously in this transition. Uh, you know, she is, she likes this kid. And of course he's like lusting after her and in love with her essentially from first sight. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I just found myself angry. Every other scene, angry at the kid or what was happening. And you mentioned, here's the thing about Paul Thomas Anderson. You know, he doesn't really, he refuses to make like a genre film at this point. Yeah. You know, he made Hard Eight Sydney, right? And what we all, I, I, I didn't see that until after Boogie Nights. He came out of, for me, he came out of nowhere. He made Boogie Nights, and that movie just smacked everybody on the head, right? 1997, yeah. he, I had no idea who the guy was, and he makes this, from opening scene, a masterpiece. Clearly, oh my God, this movie, from the beginning to end, is a masterpiece. Instant classic. Then I went back, and I'm sure the whole world did. You go back and you watch Hard Eight. And you read about how he said, oh, I call it Sydney," And, okay, you get a little glimpse of, all right, he, Paul Thomas Hansen is an artist with a capital A, right? He doesn't make movies. He makes films. Then he makes Magnolia. I remember going to see Magnolia. I went and saw it, like, alone in New York City, if memory serves. And, and my memory is sort of shoddy. But I love that movie. That movie was so emotional, and it was so different than Boogie Nights. 
I remember like reviewing it for my college newspaper. And the first thing I wanted to do was find out more about Paul Thomas Anderson. Who is this guy? Where is he from? What was his relationship like with his father? You know, totally yeah. uh, instantly one of the greats in a time where, you know, you go back to 1997, forget Titanic. You had LA Confidential. You had Russell Crowe appear on screen and become an instant movie star in LA Confidential. You had Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino, right? Our contemporary, uh, arguably the greatest uh, director, if you ask any uh, white 40-year-old dude or late 40, you know, our age, cisgendered white male, whatever they, they, they call us. Uh, but Paul Thomas Anderson, he's right up with there, with those guys, yeah. right? He's yeah. He yeah. Lead Without the way. a doubt, I, I'm not arguing anything. The, the auteur, man, going back to the 70s, where we, we entered this golden age in the 90s with Paul Thomas Anderson, Steven Soderbergh, who was sort of their grandfather, you know, it was and Tarantino. It was just there was so much, and more like. But Tarantino. wait, but then you go here. Here's where I saw like some of the cracks though. In Paul Thomas Anderson, you get the Magnolia DVD. He's got uh, Animal Fiona Fiona Ryder. Wait, not Fiona, Fiona Ryder. Apple. Apple. Sorry, Fiona, sorry, Fiona sorry. Apple. Right. If I if memory serves, he did her music videos. And she's on the commentary and the special editions, at least of the, the DVD of Magnolia that I saw in probably, I want to say, 99, 2000. And she, like, plays a fan, and basically it's Paul Thomas Anderson answering questions like, is this going to be like, why don't you make another Boogie Nights? Can't you make another Boogie Nights? When are you going to make Boogie Nights again? What about Boogie Nights? How people couldn't accept them for anything other than Boogie Nights. And it seems to me... He just, yeah, dude, give us another Boogie Nights. I know it's in him, and I know it's in him because yeah, I I, there is that scene with Bradley Cooper. He made, wow. he made Bradley Cooper terrifying. That scene, the tension that he ratchets up in that scene in, <laughs> excuse me, in Licorice Pizza, where they go to deliver a waterbed to uh, his house, right? Bradley Cooper's house. He's playing John Peters, married to Barbara Streisand. And the dude is like so intense, like comically intense, but but scary. And of yeah. course, spoiler alert, they, they choose to, he's such a, like a weirdo, they impulsively decide to vandalize the guy's house. And then, then they run out of gas. And it's like, oh my, we're in the hands of a genius. But he won't commit to that. That's the movie I wanna see. Let it, do a genre, do a crime flick. Do, stop with these emotional. I get okay. You're, I mean, I, you're, getting, you're middle age right now. You got to go back and relive your older brother's childhood. I get all that, man. But I am so sick of. It's like listening to Led Zeppelin without John Bonham's drumming. Drumming. It's just not the same. And I was, I was just so frustrated by this movie by characters I didn't like, characters who seem to make dumb decisions, and this, this, crowbarred into it, a movie I wanted to see. So. I just, I just, I just did not like this movie. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. I, to me, it's not a love story. To me, it's uh Well, shoot, spoiler thought, alert though. What happens at the end? But my, my thing is it's, we'll see when I say it's not, it's, it's a, uh, it's that first love, but a love that will never go anywhere. So I looked at it like that, like a, a love that where these people should never be together. They're horrible together. Like, yeah, she's only but 10 years as his elder. That's not creepy at all. all right. I, well, that didn't bother me, man, because listen, I mean, in this day and age, there's been, uh, you know, how many times have we, have we seen that story reversed where the man is 10 years older, you know, and it, it's all fine. That never, like the age thing didn't bother me because, you know, I didn't look at him as, you know, besides that. To me, it, it, know, just, it just showed how damaged and directionless her character was. And I guess I thought by the end of the movie, she'd be like, hey, you know what? This was fun and all. This was a nice summer. We hung out. I found a friend, but there's no way you and I can end up together. I got to go live my life and like it or not, become an adult. And the movie doesn't end like that. It well, doesn't end like that. And I do have an issue with that. Listen, I, I never it saw betrays everywhere. It's, it betrays like the whole uh, groundwork it lays, which just I never really saw angered Phantom me. Thread. I'm yeah, not a huge fan of the master, although I think the performances are amazing. Like I think, and I put this like in on par with those movies where they're like they're hit or miss. And again, you got to understand, I saw this right when it came out. Um, it, to me, it's just different. It's the way I feel about X. I, I explained to uh, X, I'm tired of watching a Leatherface movie 
what I liked about X more was that it just not even the most original, but it it's a newer it's an original movie using everything we've seen before. This movie I feel the very same way about. I've seen it before. I've seen it done better before. But I don't know. It's a it's a 70s movie, so that gets me right off the bat. It had some likable things. Now, I didn't like the Bradley Cooper scene. I didn't like the Sean Penn scene. I didn't like that, like, certain aspects of it. I wanted to see, like, the two of them more. Because, again, I think the next scene after how it concludes would be the scene you're talking about. I wanted the, the scene you're talking about in this movie. There's no way this movie, great. this movie has to end. It, it can't end with them together. And it did. So I, I really couldn't accept that. It just, and that, I, I, again, I, I just thought, I thought she was really good. I think it was nice to yeah. see a directionalist woman movie, you know, like in the sense, like so many, I've seen that character, has that 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 scene? You know the car. I've, I've seen guys go through that. I've never seen a woman like through a woman's perspective, or what have you. And and listen, I also found the Hoffman kid, the Gary Valentine, or whatever it is, hugely annoying. But there was also something humorous, like when they talk about, uh, you know, he's selling the water beds, and the guy, hey man, I can get us weed. And then the kid comes back. He's like, oh, I don't know about the weed, but I can get us LSD. You know, just. Like there were scenes in there that I just thought were hilarious. I, I just, just think I just don't think the kid had the acting chops to pull it off. Paul Thomas Anderson to me feels like he's trying to be some European new wave director from like the sixties, the fifties or sixties. Well, see, I thought, and I want he, him to stop. Like, oh, I want him to just, just, hey, dude, just make I don't know, just, just make a crime flick. Well, just, I, I again, we make we make straight time. I don't know. When you mentioned Tarantino, I think he was like, oh wow, Tarantino did his reflective movie. I've got to do my autobiographical reflective movie. I don't think it hits, but I do think it's a good movie. Especially in this entire, the next movie you're going to talk about. In that era Okay, well, yeah, Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man more. Really? Yeah, dude, I'd give this one out of of four stars. And I I wanted to love it. This is a movie, I didn't watch any reviews of it. I didn't read any reviews of it. The only thing I experienced was the Twitter controversy and I kind of, it, it is weird about the dude making the stereotypical Asian accent. That's all I knew about this movie yeah. walking into it because I wanted to experience, because I so want to love a Paul Thomas Anderson movie as much as I did his first three films. And instead this just repulsed me. Uh, Wait, and I, and I, and I tried to, I've tried to like, I, I was like, all right, let me, let me, and I'll play this now. This is some dude who's way smarter than me. He made uh, a video. It's uh, the discarded image. Uh, it's titled Why Licorice Pizza is So Disjointed, but it's a very positive review of it, and he kind of goes through the visual themes of the movie. So I'll let this guy talk for a second about this pretentious piece of crap. They're usually ending up tired of him. Chaos reigns, and disconnection is always potentially around the corner of even the most intimate moments between Gary and Alana. But doesn't that just sound like life? I certainly recognize my own in the film's disorder, in its ambiguous emotions and sudden shifts between love and contempt. Like Freddie Quell in Paul Thomas Anderson's earlier film, The Master, it's a film that's adrift. So for audiences looking to cinema for simple narratives that give a clear sense of the world, Licorice Pizza may feel like a shock. And that's, uh, what's his name? Not Gary Cooper, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. (laughs) During the gas crisis, holding a lighter... And a gas nozzle cutting cutting in line, and I th- th- this, I want to see that. Give that guy a spinoff. Let's do that. PTA, just make a whole spinoff about John Peters, uh, about his whole life and, and 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 whatever. I mean, the guy's got it in him. You know, the the greatest thing that would part of what makes him a genius. He makes that scene in Boogie Nights with the firecrackers, right? It's instantly yeah. a classic scene, but. I mean, you know, there's some great character work in there. This guy, Paul Thomas Anderson, can get performances out of his ensemble cast like no one we've seen since Francis Ford Coppola made The Godfather, The Godfather 2, and Apocalypse Now. He's that good. I think it's a perfect comparison. Uh, not, not, I'm not giving myself a credit, but I mean, like, the performances in the movies are that good and, you know, indication of you got a genius screenwriter director here. But... In that in a firecracker scene, what I love about it, which which like put puts Paul Thomas Anderson over the top, is that's the scene where Marky Mark is like, 
Because he, again, like every character in every Paul Thomas Anderson movie, he's, he's adrift and he's lost. And he has the realization right there and then when the camera does the close-up of his face where he's high on coke, he's there with John C. Riley, and uh, what's his name, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. Right, who won like a great character performance and a little bitty part. But, he, you know, the camera goes to him and you read Mark. He, I mean, he got an Oscar-worthy performance yeah. out of Marky Mark, for God's sakes. You can read in his eyes when the camera lingers what's going on in his head. And I just, you know, and it's tense as hell. That movie, like, also yeah. has the scene with, with Don Cheadle, you know, picking out a donut. You know, that it's just, I, I don't know. Well, even they're, that they're, firecracker scene, no matter how many times you see it, you still react to the firecracker. You jump. You jump. I yeah. just don't understand why can't this guy unleash and, you know, stop these. I don't want, you know, just, I don't know. Stop, dial back the emotion and just give me a good story that, 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 that has that tension. I just want, again, I just want to see him make a genre film. I also looked up, this was a female reviewer. Because I was sort of interested to hear like the female take on this, uh, okay. particularly particularly like a, a younger female. And this is someone called, uh, the YouTube page is called Deep Focus Lens. And she has another positive experience with it. She loves this movie, called it a home run. Here's her talking about licorice pizza a little bit. What the film seems to be doing is, you know, it's taking the romantic movie formula or like the romantic comedy you know, all of those beats and everything, and it's kind of loosening them up a little bit, making them a little bit more casual, giving it a little bit room to breathe so that we can make room for things that may not be necessary for the plot, but uh, they add so much richness uh, to the overall piece, you know, make room for incidental moments to stop and smell the roses, meet new people and experience new things so that you can kind of subvert a lot of those expectations one might have when watching a traditional love story. In that sense, it's very reminiscent of a movie like Chunking Express, which, you know, is a movie about love. I know that's your favorite movie, but that's on your Chunking. Well, I mean, I agree, what, I agree with what she's saying, but here's the other thing. I do think you're ending not like I did not expect them to be together. And I still don't think they're together. Or if Worst they're ending together, of any, any movie ever. Like, Battlefield Earth type together, ending. They are, if they are together, they're that couple that's now got six kids and they just won't get a divorce. You know what I mean? Like, like, because again, I never thought they were the right couple. Um, but I loved that back and forth. And I liked that it wasn't so traditional. And again, I'm just a sucker for the seventh. Like, I, I mean, that's probably what gives me a higher review than you. I am far from saying this is not a flawed movie. All right, but well, let's was... let's give it its final thing, and then we'll move on to a better movie called uh, Spider-Man. I'm giving it a 2.5. <laughs> All right, 2.5 out of 4. That's what I gave Prey last week, 2.5 out of 4. I'm giving it, like I said, a 1 out of 4. Hate to do it, but... I'm out. I've had it with the. I can't he's like, this. we're gonna have, we're gonna have a Marvel movie. You know, is technically gonna be higher than a Paul Thomas Anderson. I, well, movie you know, today. I did. I finally. Now, I was not. We gotta pay, change our names. I'm getting soft, but I did finally watch some movie called Spider Man: No Way Home. Uh, reading from Wikipedia, in case you don't know, it's a 2021 American superhero film based on a Marvel character, Marvel Comics character. Named Spider Man. Uh, it stars, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people Tom Holland as Peter Parker, Spider Man, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So I was like, I've been thinking about this movie for weeks because, like, we did our year end thing last year where we asked people to pick, you know, what was the best movie. And I think maybe a couple of people picked this. And I saw, Certainly like, a bunch of people did. I saw, uh, you know, people last year, this was on a lot of people's number one as the best movie of 2021, which I think, yeah. if anything, just look, we, I picked Arkansas. I think we both picked Arkansas a few years ago, but I'm sorry. It hasn't been the last couple of years haven't been good for movies in terms of no. it hasn't been. I mean, the, the, there's higher quality stuff on, in my opinion, on TV any day of the week compared to the last three years of, of movie releases. Uh, in any event, all right, I gave it a chance. You know, I watched it with my son, who he had, he had seen it in the theater. And, uh, okay, like, where it sort of loses me is it, it's it's slow at the beginning, right? Yeah. Like, and I don't understand. There's Zendaya. Is that how she says her name? Zendaya. Yeah. Right? Zendaya. And then there's, 
There's the buddy Nate. Like, why are there two characters? Why are they both in the movie? Why, why does why do we need them both? And they're the same character, man. That's what I mean. Like, That's exactly what I mean. If anything, it, it here's the thing. Like Zendaya, Zendaya is 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 dating Tom she's Holland. A bud. She's a bud, not like. I don't know. Like, and again, now, I don't want to. All come right. Off. Well, here, yeah, exactly. No, because I felt the same thing. I'm like, am I just a misogynist, or yeah. is like, I, I just felt there was no chemistry between the two of them. No, they're like, like, listen, the whole thing, the Spider-Man from the comics, from everyone I know that reads comics, he's the dork, you know. But when he's Spider-Man, he gets the girl. And I'm not saying, like, listen, Zendai is freaking talented. Check out that TV show she's on on HBO. I won't even watch it. I've seen scenes. She is amazing. Emmy nominated. Emmy deserves every acc- accolade for that. But she's not like, and I'm not, I don't want her to be a bimbo, but she's just not, she's his buddy in this. Yeah, she's barely like, present in the movie. There is, I cannot differentiate between her character and the kid Nate. That's yeah. exactly, all right. So you're saying the same thing I am. And yeah, the, like, the, and like and I said, also, no I chemistry. Tom Holland, he might be more of that fast-talking Spider-Man. I freaking hate Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And maybe it's because, listen, I am an old man now. He makes me feel old. Because he does. He talks like a teenager. Yeah, I'm sort of okay with them. I, I mean, I don't really care either way. I mean, you know, it's just they put on the spider suit. It could be anybody, you know, except you know, me. I, I know that. It's just, I don't know, the quips, the one-liners, the, you know, hey, I'm Peter Parker. I don't know. And maybe but, it's just because, hey, I grew up with Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Well, I think it's so, just Marvel's way of doing it. You know, they all they have yeah. to have their... And, and, and gotta have your one-liners, gotta have your cutesy lines. But I guess he's based on more of maybe the amazing... I don't know. One of these comic books, that's what his character is more based on from what the nerds have told me. But the thing about this movie, right, it goes on like like a lot of Marvel movies. There's a lot of plot and, and side tangents. For as much as like some of the comic book fans we know make fun of us for... You know, I don't like episodic television because it goes on for yeah, too long. Yeah, but they're watching episodic on... movies, but well, they this, don't deliver this is it like, much. Yeah, this is like unnecessary plot. I mean, make it tighter. I don't care. Nobody cares about, all right, uh, we're going to go to college together, get the three of us. Oh, my God, that was so boring. There was a, you could have done yeah. that in one line of dialogue, right? Because we know, we understand. Okay, it's been in a, a thousand other things. But they keep on forcing. Every other movie does that. It's every, every other movie, movie ever that made. Exact premise, yeah. But like, they, but they just like force the two his two buddies on us to the point where Spider Man, when he fights Jamie Fox for the first time, when he encounters what's his name, Electro, whatever the hell his name is, yeah. Where, for some reason, he's wearing like you know this stupid suit with a TV monitor on it, so they can see, and it just comes. Nobody cut. That's so dopey. How did that like? Yeah. This is the best movie of twenty twenty one. That was ridiculous all right but i can i can put all that aside right because hey it's spider-man who doesn't love spider-man right i love spider-man as a kid but and then there's the whole thing like oh my god they're bringing together three the other two spider-man they're all gonna be in this movie eventually right we all know that walking in or at least i do because uh you know it was all over the news last year and i waited for it to be uh streaming somewhere but okay so what brings this whole multiverse together literally is peter parker talking too much as Doctor Strange is trying to work some magic. Yeah. That that's how it's called. I mean, that's that is if that's not the single dumbest, least believable plot point, like a major plot point. That's how this happened, is just because Peter Parker talks too much. Well, it spawned a whole other movie. I, I mean, that whole well, Doctor Strange movie and the know, whole thing is very similar to this. I I I I just can't. I I hate Doctor Strange. That I just think. Well, Doctor that's what I was gonna say. Doctor Strange ruined this movie. This he's whole... not a he's not a character. He's just a plot device. Oh, we need a way to bring in. How do we how do we reinvent it? How do we reinvent this this tale to get another billion dollars in the bank? That we got to bring all our Spider Men together. Also, he's just a plot cartoon. device. He's a MacGuffin. This was the same plot, just without our known Spider Men as. The whole other Spider-Man movie, the, the Miles uh, Morales, yeah, into the Spider Verse, yeah, like the whole Spider Verse. I'd argue that movie is better and had had more oh, heart, way better, way uh, better, way better movie. And I, that's what I kept saying to myself, like, wait, I saw a cartoon version of this, way better. And they're like, well, no, it didn't have the other Spider-Man. Yeah, it had. Who cares? It had a Donald Duck Spider-Man. Like it does. It had Nicholas Cage yeah. as one of them, right? That was awesome. I know, but it just it doesn't need to make to me the whole. Uh, blending these realities and, and uh, not realities, what do you call that? Your dimension. Universe is the, the whole dimension yeah. stuff. It's, it's, 
getting too weird because that might be about it's the cheapest the cheapest plot it's the cheapest plot device you can do i i just like the other I, day I my nephew fan. said like oh well you know in, in an alternative universe i'm like dude there's no such thing as that stop saying in, in an alternative universe like that's like it's, a whole cartoon thing it's just like how can we mine more money out of this how can we all right yeah. we, how can we break all our rules and okay we'll we'll say like yeah it's it's a multiverse uh, yeah, the fact, I don't know, but I, I mean, it had the other thing that bothered me about it. It has some interesting ideas. Like I felt like some of the, uh, I watched Loki on, uh, the Disney channel <laughs> and, uh, the first couple of episodes, it's very, it's like a twilight zone. They're like, Oh, that, that's interesting to think about. Oh, that kind of like makes you think the whole concept of these bad guys show up and maybe, Peter Parker wants to help them and maybe they team up together. I mean, that was the entire, what, second SpongeBob movie where SpongeBob has to team up with Mr. Plankton and then travel through parallel universes and all these different, you know, that was done in that movie. And I'd say that was better. Like it was explored. I thought that was sort of interesting where you have Doc Ock, uh, what's his name? Alfred Molina, the aforementioned firecracker dude from uh, Boogie Nights. I thought, you know, he's he's a great actor. He's good in that performance. The whole way of presenting Willem Dafoe in the movie where he like doesn't think of himself yeah. as the goblin. And I thought that was interesting, but they, it's just, you know, we're just talking, they each get like three minutes. And then it, it again, it's like every Marvel movie is just, it's overpacked and it's just a laser fight. So I thought it had some interesting ideas that there was, you know, there's a much better movie in there. If they just, you don't need the three Spider-Men, you know, no, and, you don't need see all that complicates it. And all that, I mean, it's like you said, it's going to definitely sell tickets. Also, the thrill is gone now having like great actors play things because right, it's not, especially yeah. when you bring all those in there in that one, you know, you have Rob from Molina, William Defoe, arguably the Spider-Man, you know, you have the Jamie Foxx, you have like, it, 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 be, it, it becomes to me what Batman became when we were growing up. Like you're throwing everything in there that you don't get a story, you just get explosions. Right, yeah. Right, I mean, like, in that, all right, so they kill off a character, spoiler alert, right? They get get rid of Marissa Tomei, and then inexplicably, Tobey Maguire gets stabbed in the back, and like, why did that even happen? Why did did Tobey Maguire get stabbed? But also, you kill off Aunt May, but but here's the thing, like, at the, at the end of the day, did it really matter? Like, there is no... They forget about it real fast. Spider-Man because of Uncle Ben. You know what I mean? And, like, now, we, you know, now you're the whole, like... Well, this Spider-Man became... I don't know. I'm not even going to get... It. Yeah, it's just... It's it's getting... It, 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 this movie forces you to have conversations you don't care about nor want to have. You know, that's also, what I felt like, the whole Uncle Ben versus Aunt May and blah, blah, blah. And maybe it's just because it's made by committee now. And maybe because of the foreign market is such a huge thing. There's nothing scary about these movies. There's nothing threatening. Whereas you want that threatening at, you want that, that the, go- the goober guy in uh, licorice pizza to have his own movie. There's no threat. Like there was in licorice pizza. Wait, absolutely. No tension. Thing. Absolutely. No tension. No. In this and like, movie. like not even like, you know, like, when I was a kid, a superhero scene or a Star Wars movie for a moment could scare me. You know, right. Empire. Was Even a Superman 2, when, when Superman gets beat up yeah. a little bit, it kind yeah. of freaks when you out. Beat up. Perfect example. Like, there was, like, even as a child, like, I got scared. You know what I mean? Like, you know, even as an adult, you felt that, that tension. There, like, the, the Spider Verse, the Spider Universe now has become so safe that, like, you know, it's like a wrestling match back when I would watch wrestling yeah. in 1984. You, the guy's going to get your, your, your right, good guy's right. going to get knocked down a bunch and, of times. But then Hulk Hogan's going to put, he's going to be on the ground. He's going to be in that arm exactly. bar, but he's going to start listening to the crowd. He's going to put his yeah. ear out and get the strength of the crowd. He's going to make the comeback and everyone's going to cheer. It's totally predictable. That's a great, yeah, it's definitely like a WWE and wrestling match. Because they need to service so much. There's always like, the movie doesn't end. It always has to tack something on or add something that you're just going to get in the next episode of whatever show or movie. Like I told it, I think I saw one of those far from homes and I went to a Spider-Man movie with my nephew 
having not seen an Avengers, the end of the Avengers movie, I didn't even know Iron Man died. You know what I mean? Like, and the whole movie is about Iron Man being dead. Oh, Iron Man's I knew dead. like Iron Man dies, but I didn't realize this whole movie was going to be the aftermath of Iron Man being dead. And let's be honest, without Iron Man, is there any Marvel, like without Captain America, now we're inventing characters that I don't care about. I don't care about Dr. Strange. Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting too. Like, uh, I went back because I know, like, the Stu World Order, right? That's an independent podcast. Yeah. They're really good buddies uh, with uh, John Amenta and the Pina Comics guys, right? So, you know, I know the Stu World Order. Uh, I might have this wrong. Is that the name of the podcast? I don't know. But SWO yeah, Productions. Every week they review a superhero movie, right? Which I mean, I I would have that I would lose my that that would I would have to I would jump off a bridge. If it's just that's a punishment to me. So I was interested to all right. What did he think about Spider Man No Way Home? Like I was all getting ready to be angry, uh, but even he wasn't that impressed. And that's a that's a yeah. guy who, who who likes and appreciates this movie. And at the end of the day, he was like, I think he gave it a high rating. But what he says about it, it's like, well, you know, it delivered and it kind of it kind of hits you in the feels, right? How can you not like parts of it? And I agree. There's like, you know, I, even I was like, oh, okay, oh, there's Andrew Garfield. Okay, oh, there's Tobey Maguire. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's mediocre at best. I would give yeah, it. Yeah, but it's uh, funny. Like when they're all, what, what is it? I don't even know. See, here's the other thing. I forgot about the movie. Well, yes, they're on it a is. Tower. They're on scaffolding and they have their one scene where all three of them are together and get the, the crap kicked out of them. So... But it just made me feel like, wow, man, those two guys are old now. Um, well, they play into that a little bit. You know, Tobey Maguire's yeah, got his back thing. But it, it didn't, like, you know, I don't know. It, like, I had more fun watching it with my nephew than I did watching it. Yes. Than yes. if I would watch it with myself. So where he would get excited, I would sort of laugh because I'm like, oh, really? But, like, I could see from a, a nine-year-old's perspective, this is his, like, oh, he's loving this scene. But even at a certain point, you know, I just, it just gets old. And it gets so boring. It gets long. boring. Yeah. It gets, so yeah. It's long. right. Yeah. They're, they're, that's, and, and then again, like uh, to compliment it at the very end, spoiler alert, if you have not seen it, I found it interesting to be like, okay, so he's a race. He's done like the men in black <laughs> and erased yeah. uh, uh, Zendaya's memory. Right. And then he goes into that diner. First of all, him walking into that diner, that was all over Twitter when the movie was out, where everyone was criticizing how there's no big, you think of the Nolan Batman movies where they all had this epic feel and Nolan would do shots of the city and even the Batman with what's his name that, you know, the, the whole, the look yeah. of that movie and it, it, it feels cinematic where these Marvel movies, and especially the Spider-Man movie, you get none of that. Like, he sees yeah. Mary Jane, this girl he loves, and it's like, the picture, the way the picture is framed, there's all these distractions in the diner, and it's like, you don't, it, it conveys nothing. A lot of these movies, these Marvel movies, and, and this one in particular, they convey no emotion through any of their photography. It's just very bland, and it's almost like just paint by the numbers. Anyway, that's a criticism I meant to, I meant to end on a, a compliment. I thought it was fascinating that... He doesn't say anything to her because he realizes, well, if I tell her who I am, if I explain all this, I'll put her in danger. She's safer not knowing who I am. And I'm like, well, damn, that's an interesting concept. Why couldn't you have explored more of that instead of having to pack in every supervillain of the last 20 years and every Spider-Man of the last 20 years? I thought there was... There was a potential. Well, that, I, it's that, almost like maybe, the new... has, maybe these were based on a bunch of spec scripts. Like maybe one of these scripts was like Joe Greenberg, our former co-host, had said it, said, sent it in with this really fresh new take on Spider-Man. And instead they're like, all right, well, we can take that idea, but we have to do all this other stuff because we have to service the rest of our, our cookie cutter mill here, our, our factory. They're, you know, we can't shut down the assembly line. Anyway, so but I, I still think it was better than Licorice Pizza. I got to say it was more entertaining than Licorice uh, Pizza. I'd give this a two. Maybe even a, like a one and a half. I'd give it a, I don't know, two or two and a half. Eh, probably a two. I, again, a and boring. again, it, it, I just felt it was too long. I'm just tired of, like, listen, I mean, we get a guy, a guy who likes episodic television or, or a guy that actually liked the, the Irishman. I shouldn't be saying anything long. Like, I, I, it's just superhero movies should be 90 minutes. In and out, right, in and the, out. Yeah, because right, like, the good none guy of them... is going to win. Like, we know that. 
Like, right. They're, they're not they're not introducing any concepts. Yeah, I said the first part where it's like, oh, we're, we're, we want to go to college together. Oh, God. How many? And I'm not Come nerdy on. enough when a guy walks by the camera to know who that is. Like even right. briefly, like, you know, I don't. Get oh, they had your stuff. boy in this daredevil. Yes, 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 yes. I heard him. Yes. But I just read something that they're when they reboot his new show, that it'll definitely be much lighter in tone. And that oh, was the guys no from. Well, no, I just literally read that in an article to this morning because I was reading about Bat uh, Woman, uh, and I was Bat reading girl? about uh, the Bat Girl. Yeah. Um, I just and you know, and I'm I'm dying to see the Flash. Like whatever version comes out, I I am so wanting. I cannot. Like, can you just release the Flash tomorrow? Like, I think you'd make a trillion billion dollars. Like. Like just to read about the flash actor self-destructing, you know, right before oh, our eyes. That's probably the best you know. thing they, they could have. They should have just, yeah. Well, all right. Hey, this one, we're just going to, we're just going to throw it on streaming before this guy well, does get to any more trouble. Yeah, that's and actually a smart smart, idea. Tomorrow they should release that girl. Like they said, all right, fine. We listen to you and they'll make a trillion dollars on it. Like, again, all these movies are going to make trillions of dollars. I just want a better version of each one of these movies. And right. whereas, I, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not going to argue that Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't need to make a genre film, but these superhero movies need to stop trying to make serious movies because they're not giving us, they're not doing it right. They're sort of the Netflix of documentaries. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, I like, went back. I, I was this week. I watched Man of Steel with Michael Shen and his oh, Zeus or Zod, yeah. General Zod. Yeah, and that is sort of the prototype for these overly serious, serious, ponderous superhero movies. I mean, that movie, there's no reason that should be a bad movie. And it's terrible, especially the CGI. The CGI is awful. But, I mean, any movie that has Michael Shannon, is that his name? Am I getting that right? Yeah, Michael Shannon. You got Kevin Spacey in that one. Yeah, like, really good. You got uh, Henry, what's his name? Yeah, that's a great cast from top to bottom. And man, that is a ponderous movie. No, maybe not Amy Adams. Who's, who's the girl? Who's Lois Lane in that? I think it is Amy Adams. Oh, all right. The, with red hair, we might be. If we have that wrong, I apologize. Also, Chris Maloney's in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, that's exactly that is what you just said. Uh, yeah, they don't have to be a serious movie. That that seemed to like I don't know. Was that the first one that did that? The world, they're, like they put people of color. They put people, you know a more well-rounded cast now, but that doesn't mean it's serious that you're sometimes you're pandering like, like they're not giving the stories the weight. You know what I mean? They're, they're still, you know, it's still just a bunch of CGI. Right. Things it's, that still, blow up. it's still the same story they've been telling since, yeah. the, you know, 1949. It's the same story, but yeah. All right. That's that. Hopefully people. Uh, hey, uh, what? Yeah, wait, no, wait. I, are you going to throw in some movie you just watched and not know the name of it or any plot or anything like that? Are you going right, to do that to me? Never mind. No, no. All right, go ahead. I'll, all right, go ahead. No, no. I was curious if you watched The Offer. No, I what can't have, bring myself. I feel like I've watched every documentary and every YouTube video ever made about the making of The Godfather and books on it. I, I just can't. I don't know. I can't. I can't bring myself to watch that. All right. I won't say that I hated it, but I would love to... I could tear it apart too. As much as I liked it, I could definitely tear it apart. And there's some definitely cringeworthy stuff in it. But I, I won't say that I, I, I enjoyed my time watching it. I did. The only thing, I went back and watched Heat, but I watched it on a fast forward to get through all the boring stuff. That's a great movie. It's still, it, it's a great way to watch it too. Just like skip a lot of it. And just every time, like, and I, John, huh? And I also, I tried re watching Prey. Oh, interesting. I can't make it. I can't make it through. I mean, I think I got my one time and I, you know, felt only well, because again, I've been reading a bunch of stuff about it and everyone loves that movie. I think it's the same thing. There's the shiny new thing syndrome happening, uh, especially with streaming uh, in the pandemic. Uh, there is, we, we, you know, it's just, the, it's the big new release that everyone's got to talk about and people all want to say they love it. It's the same thing happened with malignant. Same thing. And I, I won't say you know, it's horrible. Again, I, I'm not going to go back on what I said last week, but I don't get that it's. I'm actually surprised that a week later it's still making you know, you know, memes and still getting little news blurbs on it. 
And you know, it seems to me on I, my feed the dog has taken over. Everyone's like, "Oh, it was a shelter dog!" Oh, oh yeah, the dog. Yes, yeah. Dog is yeah. good. It's a cool dog. Uh, it's you know, at least it's not CGI. Yeah. So all right. Yeah. Prey. I watched Heat. Something. Oh, I tried to watch. I went back for the hell of it and started to watch on Paramount Plus Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Ooh, which, really? Yeah. But I mean, I remember like as a little kid being at your house at your birthday and watching that. We went to and, a movie theater. We did. We went to the theater to see that. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! So what was it? Tron. Was it Tron we watched. We watched Tron in my house. Okay, so we saw. Oh wow! So I saw with you Star Trek: The Motion Picture upon its release in 1980. We were six years old. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, my memory of it is I remember you know watching Star Trek: The Motion Picture. I'm sorry, Star Trek: The TV series. And what was great about that show is that. It always ended with a fist fight. It was like Batman. Yeah, there was great, was there, was, yeah. there was great violence in it. To a little kid, it was like this is awesome. Captain Kirk would be beating up these uh, these aliens. He was always smacking people around. He was the best. And then that movie, oh. I mean, it's still every bit as boring as it was to a six year old in nineteen eighty. Is so boring, though it is. And I saw some directors uh, cut where they uh, put in like new computer graphic type stuff. It looks amazing. I mean, it does, it's, it's a spectacle when you first see the USS Enterprise for the first 20 minutes of the movie. But what a disaster that movie is in terms of. Yeah. I just remember the first time I saw a girl with no hair and that was back then, back in 1980, a bald girl. Like now it's like, yeah, you see that every day. You know what I mean? Like that was radical. Yeah. That was radical. And I remember being like, whoa, yeah, I remember having the Admiral Kirk uh, action figure. I never had the original, but I had that, you know, in that in that drab uh, in that, in that, gray and well, white we outfit. We had the Migos. I remember those. The so what? I had the, you know, the, the Megos or Migos, you know, the originals. Like, we had those. Is that what was that, the company that, that made them? Batman yeah. Oh, okay. And what were you going to say about your dad? What, to get mad at you because you dragged him to that? Yeah, because he, he was like, hey, like, that was a horrible movie. Like, he, he thought it was going to be Star Wars, or he thought it was going to be like the, uh, you know, the same as uh, like a Star Wars or like the TV show because he right. likes that. You know, like so did the know, entire planet. Star Wars. You know, yeah. So he went into that thinking he was like, "That was a," bo-. and also to choose that for, you know, I'm choosing it thinking like, "Hey, maybe this will be a you know the next Star Wars." And it was like, you know, yeah, that and it was fest. an adult, like not an adult movie, but you know what I mean. Like it was very serious. Like I had no idea what happened in that movie. It was like, trying you know, to be very, yeah, it tries to, I still, it's still, I have to read Wikipedia now. I'm like, what? It's a machine? It's an old spaceship that thinks it's something else? Uh, okay, that's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. But uh, Pat, Patton Hoswalt did a thing with GQ where he listed his top five sci-fi films and his bottom five. And he lists Star Trek The Motion Picture on his bottom five. But he's like, hey, if it wasn't for Star Trek, the motion picture and getting it so wrong, we wouldn't have had Star Trek two, which I do. I yeah. remember seeing that in the theater and it terrified me and I loved it. But then the rest of them, I just always thought were terrible. Like, like they kill Spock and they bring him back in five minutes. That's always that, that I always felt that was a betrayal, you know? And then they, one more thing real quick, you mentioned it on Twitter and I believe, uh, any of the pages that we have on, uh, on uh, Facebook, are you listening to Tarantino? Because I do—is it something I have to sign up for the for the video archives podcast? No, I mean, not that I'm aware of. I, there's but only they're not, been... you, you can't get them on YouTube. Oh yeah, well, just I I listen to them on uh, iTunes. Where you got to go to like where you get your audio podcast, not YouTube. Okay, it's it's audio only as far as I know. The, yeah, okay. the Tarantino podcast. It's it's I haven't. It, it, you know, maybe it is a pay thing, but I've seen there's two episodes that I am aware of on iTunes. Maybe there's more. I really haven't looked into it. So maybe he's got like the, uh, six out there. But it is interesting to hear him. You know, I guess on one episode, Roger Avery says that Steven Spielberg's best movie is 1941. Yeah. Um, so they but, talk about that. They went on another podcast. Uh, is that what that's what, I mean, that's just so ridiculous. And, and Tarantino, you know, talking about Oliver Stone, you know, he may, he, Platoon yeah. isn't his best movie. Are you are you high? So it is very interesting to hear these two geniuses and, and film buffs and the ultimate film geek historians have such bizarre, crappy taste. And like, Tarantino, actually... like, they misclassify everything. They're like, oh, yeah, Moonraker would be in the drama. Well, you thought, but it's a, that's an action movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> and they're saying like how they like Roger Moore over Sean Connery. I mean, you got to be high if you prefer Roger yeah. Moore. Yeah, come on. And I guess that's a thing nowadays. Well, that's the it's the uh, it's the more the cheese. Cheese is taking over. You know what I mean? Not everyone yeah. is making like the nostalgic cheese. Right. Like back in the day, it was cute when the girls said that, you know, I worked with a bunch of girls and they all loved the Golden Girls. And it was, but that was five years ago. And now that's like, you know, they were almost cutting edge back then. Like, cause now all that old stuff. I mean, have you ever tried, I've tried watching old shows that we've grew up on. Yeah. You know, terrible, like I, yeah. I tried. Fast and I'm just life. like, oh, I can't. Yeah. yeah. Any of that. Even like, even classics sometimes don't hold up as much because the times have changed so much. Like I just, I'm trying to get through Seinfeld right now. I'm struggling getting through watching Seinfeld. Yeah, the night. thing that ruins Seinfeld for me is that Curb Your Enthusiasm is so, is the same show, but much better. Let me just say, like, I just think, yeah, way funnier. Yeah, heads yeah. and shoulders above. And that's above, like I, I did. I did start to watch. Every day. I started to watch Friends the other day because there was there's just nothing on. I like put it on for my son, and I had to immediately turn Friends off. I was like, oh god, this is like. Yeah, I just like, and I, I don't know if it is the situational comedy every five years just needs a reboot. But right, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I mean, issues, comedy especially. Like, it's, it, I mean, that comedy just does not age. Hey, I started to watch uh, a movie from the 80s that, like, I don't, I think it doesn't get, I mean, we always hear about, oh, it's Robocop's anniversary, uh, you know, whatever. The Untouchables, man. The Untouchables is a masterpiece. Oh, well, that's so weird, dude. It's out. I just pulled that out on the uh, my uh, my. Uh, that's so freaking weird, dude. That is so weird. That is the next movie I'm gonna watch while I'm painting. I, mean, I was on my. I'm on a Brian De Palma thing, and I was like, I want to look at this movie again and see how. Yeah. Wow. That's so weird. I just it holds that up. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, you know, it holds up. Sean Connery's so good in that movie, and and Kevin Costner. Like, I can't imagine okay. anybody else playing that role because he's supposed to be I a little Danny cheesy. Garcia. Andy Garcia, yeah, The Untouchables is one. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it should be, I want to see people, uh, other podcasts review that instead of some of the, the bargain bin Walmart stuff that, you know, don't yeah. let don't let The well, Untouchables that, that be and, lost. That and my, I'm, I'm starting to dig for every 12 memes on The Lost Boys, I'm getting one near dark, which is making me feel better because now that it's, 35 or 30, whatever, whatever birthday is for that just happened for lost boys. There are people hitting it back in the message sections being like, well, what the heck man near dark came out that year. It's a better movie. Yeah. So, I hate I that. What whole, you're I hate the whole, I don't know, anniversary of movie. I mean, I guess cause like, you know, I'm a small town reporter by day and it's like, you can be really lazy and just do a story a day about the anniversary of something or the, of like something. this, this month is whatever month. And it's just a lazy way to get, to get a story if you need to like hit a quota. So I have like a inherent bias against that anniversary stuff. You know, who cares? All right. So what, who cares if it's 25 well, or 26? Like, What's well, the difference? Yeah. Like I, I, uh, yes, I, I totally get that. Especially like when it's like, Oh, you just did it for 25. Why do you got to do it for 30? You know what I mean? That type of thing. Yeah. It's neither here nor there. Oh, one other thing, I guess now we're so deep into this. We're going, even though, uh, I hate to go off topic like this who, who are these podcasts did yeah. a review of sort of like a, one of our contemporaries right so on twitter we follow a bunch of other indie podcasts and they follow us you know also i think we, we try to retweet each other to a certain extent yeah. although i don't i'm not i don't really get that because most other podcasts don't like us because we're just i don't know we're not good at networking by us i mean me but Next on stage one is just a random one that I know from Twitter. So it was just weird to see a podcast that's sort of like at our small level get uh, get really Did they really get skewered. Oh God, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Like I, it's I like feel sorry for them. Like yeah, they were they were merciless. Um, oh really? Yeah. I mean, again, I know we've had our beefs and or, or what I don't. I never view as beefs. I. We like to have our joking fun, you know, some people take it more seriously, but like, Oh, that's the stuff that scares me, you know? Cause again, I don't do this professionally. As you could tell the guy on the you know, phone, I don't even, <laughs> we can't even figure out connection. zoom, <laughs> but I, you know, I do this cause I, I love talking movies, especially with you, but like, 
to get skewered by somebody that like, you know, knows what they're doing a little bit more. Oh man, that's a scary thing. It's rough. Yeah. So hang in there next on stage one. Uh, yeah, we do this movie podcast. We realize we'll be dead soon. We've got more time. Uh, you know, there's more time behind us than left, uh, honestly. So why not do a podcast? Well, also, it's just, you know, I'm trying to, we're trying to counteract some of the stuff that's out there. You know, giving our take, you know, not everyone can say every movie's perfect. So at right, least yeah. you get an honest opinion with us. Right. Where are the old critics that bash stuff? There's a place for them, damn it. All I right. watched. Oh, oh, wait. We the right. one thing we do have to review for the when it comes out. I have. I don't know the 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 guys that do that wrestling show the behind the mat. They're doing behind comedy or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, didn't like Mike Lane from the music movies or more send that out on our little Facebook chat? I don't I know, but I watched the the first episode is Chris Farley, which I mean I don't know. You've that's heard, pretty, it's, yeah, we've that's that's very. Yeah, familiar, you know, yeah. I mean, I think a lot. But they're doing an Artie Lang episode. Oh. Like next is Roseanne. There's a couple in a row in the middle of the batch, which I, I doubt I'm going to watch any of them because it is very, uh, it's very behind the music. You've heard the stories. If you watch 10 minutes on some people, like all these serial like, killer shows, YouTube videos that are, are, you know, probably better than that. I'm not knocking. It's just, I'm dying. We have to review the Yardie Lang. Like we're going to have to keep an eye on it. It was on YouTube. Like, oh, oh, I, all right. I got to oh, check that out. I, mean, I know still, uh, we got to wait. We got to keep our eyes open. The, uh, I wonder if they'll do, I mean, the, the, the whole comedy, like the dark side of comedy thing that I'm interested in is that poor guy who jumped off the comedy store during the comedy strike in California. Like, oh, that's you know, really that's so funny. Cause I wouldn't even know his name, but that see, to me, that is the real, they'll probably skip that. When they did yeah. The, yeah. When they did the comedy store story that gets 15 minutes as opposed to, you know, everything else you know what i mean like it yeah. doesn't get you know that deserves a whole episode you know all of that stuff um but yeah i'm dying to i don't know if i'll follow the whole show because i think you know i know the story of roseanne yeah i'm not you interested know, in roseanne I, yeah. the, the chris farley one is not like uh but the one great thing about chris farley oh it's you know the whole thing is him you know self-destructing he did. I forgot what movie. He, I think they reviewed Tommy Boy or one of the one Black Sheep. It's Siskel and Heber, and they're just like, "Hey, I knew John Belushi, and Chris Farley is no John Belushi. He is a horrible Ouch. actor, and like, just, they're so mean." <laughs> but hey, like, he is like, like I'm sure it broke his heart to hear that. But it's even like sometimes to hear from those two guys, and the guy's dead, and he didn't exactly live like tell he had it. A long time after that, yeah. I remember loving Tommy Boy, I think, is his only legitimate good movie. And his appearances in some of the Adam Sandler early stuff. But Tommy Boy, I think, is a... I saw it on the theater, and I I thought it would be terrible, and it it won me over at the University of Maryland. I might have been under the influence of things. It's it's one of those fun, uh, you know, I rank it up there with a lot of... Like, not every one of those movies, but there's certain... Like Step Brothers, I think is the dumbest movie in the world, but for some Love reason, it. it's the funniest Definitely. movie in the world. Yeah. All right, let me try to see if I can edit this. All right. So for uh, Mr. Brian Spears, my name is Carlos Danger, and we'll see you next time on Insufferable Bastards. Go ahead.